Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. I'm Olivia Allen Price, and this is Bay Curious, the podcast where we answer your questions about the Bay Area. And you have a lot of questions. Could creating one Bay Area city solve the housing crisis? What's the history of the Emeryville Shell Mound? the fog in San Francisco called Carl? Just this year, you all asked nearly 700 questions. And while we won't be able to answer all of them, we're going to tackle not one or two, but three questions in today's episode. You know, catch up a little. Today, we'll find out why Brisbane is a light with handmade stars, if there really is an island for sale in the bay, and why the Millbrae BART station smells like chocolate. Stick around. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company, still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Our first stop on today's journey is the city of Brisbane. If you visit during the holidays, you're sure to be dazzled. The hillside is dotted with dozens, if not hundreds, of illuminated five-point stars. Ashley Shively remembers seeing the display while growing up. My father, who grew up in the city, has noticed this forever. And so every year when we would drive by, he would make sure to point it out. Ashley loves the stars and wants to know more about them. My question is, why does the city of Brisbane put up five-pointed lit-up stars. KQED's Bianca Taylor takes it from here. I'm in Brisbane at the Festival of Light. It's a very festive scene. Everyone is wearing Santa hats. There are Christmas lights, kids caroling, jingle bells, the whole thing. Is that it? Here he comes. Here he comes! Santa even showed up in a fire truck. 
It's also the start of when the town lights all of its stars. I can look up and see in the hills every house has one. It's pretty amazing. Bay Curious listener Ashley wanted to know, what's the deal with those stars? Why does every house in Brisbane have one? So I talked with Mayor Clark Conway, who has lived in Brisbane since he was born. It started in 1939 with a guy named Gaynor. This guy Gaynor, yes, he has one name, kind of like Madonna. He put up a big green star on a house high up in the hills on King's Road. Art Kennedy, who was part of Brisbane's Chamber of Commerce, he liked the stars so much, he told the chamber, okay, next year we're all building stars. Chamber was kind of like the, the de facto uh, political body of Brisbane, so... Uh... A couple local businesses donated supplies and a few volunteers got to work making the stars. I guess the first year, and they made 20 of them, handed them out to people, you know, for free. And they still do it to this day. Mayor Conway says the only time Brisbane hasn't had stars during Christmas was actually during World War II. That's when American cities were ordered to turn off all their lights at night to avoid attracting enemy airplanes. When Brisbane became an incorporated city in 1961... We became the city of stars because everybody had stars on their house. All they do is they take these thin slats of wood and they drill holes in it and put it together. You know, it's pretty simple, really. Uh, You know, I made my own. (laughs) Wrap those wood slats up in Christmas lights and voila, a Brisbane star. There's something about these stars that is the essence of the holiday spirit. And they're always given out to Brisbane residents for free. So there you have it. Brisbane's five-pointed stars are a vintage Christmas legacy. A kind of do-it-yourself celebration that's been bringing the city together for decades. If you, like our listener Ashley and her dad, find yourself driving past Brisbane on Highway 101, you can see the stars for yourself twinkling up in the hills just like they did nearly 80 years ago. That was reporter Bianca Taylor. In addition to lights and music, the holidays are about food. And you can bet there are a whole bunch of kitchens right now filled with a delightful smell of chocolate. One place you might not expect to find such enticing smells... A BART station. But at the Millbrae station, riders are often pleasantly surprised. Riders like Meredith Kiefer. It smells like brownies. (laughs) Some little kid is really missing out on a lot of money because they could totally set up a brownie stand right inside the BART station and get the entire after work crowd. Smells so good. Several Bay Curious listeners have asked about the source of these chocolatey smells at the Millbrae station, so we sent reporter Rachel Myro on the sweetest reporting assignment we've ever had. If you start at Millbrae Bart and follow your nose about a half mile south, you'll end up at the source of that wonderful chocolatey smell. Do you ever get sick of chocolate? No. I start eating chocolate at about 9 in the morning. That's Amy Guitard who, along with Gary and Clark Guitard, is walking me through the family-owned chocolate factory in Burlingame. It's like the engine room of an old battleship. If an old battleship smelled like warm chocolate, the machinery for roasting, grinding, and refining is massive, and much of it is more than 60 years old. The original Guitard was Etienne, who came to San Francisco from France during the gold rush and quickly realized the big money was in satisfying the local sweet tooth. 
Today, you can find his company's chocolate bars and chips and cocoa powder in the market, as well as baked into products from big brands like Starbucks, Seize Candies, and Shake Shack. And of course, inspiring countless BART commuters to dream of fresh-baked cookies and brownies and chocolate cakes on their way to wherever they're going. Our question asker, Meredith, had one more chocolate curiosity. I would like to know what the schedule is, like why some days it smells like chocolate and some days it doesn't. Amy Guitard says the factory is almost always roasting. It's the wind that determines whether Milbrae smells like the inside of a brownie. And sometimes those aromas get blown all the way to Interstate 280. Local surfers know if 280 smells like chocolate, the winds are right for primo waves. Surf's up, dude. Our final stop is Red Rock Island, which you might have seen while crossing the Richmond-San Rafael Bridge. It's six acres of undeveloped paradise sitting in the middle of the San Francisco Bay. It's the kind of island that inspires fantasies and questions, like this one from Eve Kearney. I think I've always just been curious what like, what the situation with it was, if it was like a bird sanctuary or um, private. I, I do remember hearing rumors long ago that it was for sale, which I thought was curious, because how can that be? It's an island in the middle of the bay. Um, so I really just wanted to get more information on it and find out some history there and see what it's all about. It is privately owned. In fact, it's the only privately owned island in the San Francisco Bay. But is it for sale? And what's its history? KQD's Jessica Placek did the legwork to find out. Legend has it that pirates hid treasure on the island, though it's never been discovered. In the early 1800s, Russian fur traders used it as a campsite while killing Bay Area otters. In the 1850s, the island gets its first and only resident. He builds a cabin there and is the son of the poet Samuel Woodworth. Oh, say, my flattering heart, loves she like me? Fast forward to 1964. Red Rock Island is purchased by San Francisco attorney David Glickman for just under $50,000. He dreams of turning it into a destination hotel. But that never happens, because he gets a taste for the gem trade and moves to Thailand. Soon after, his friend Mac Durning acquires at least part of the island. He doesn't do much with it, visits occasionally, and takes his sons out there. Over the years, other buyers show interest. The most notorious potential owner was Bhagwan Sri Rajneesh, the controversial guru with a commune up in Oregon. His followers are most famous for poisoning salad bars with salmonella. The island deal falls through when Rajneesh is deported. In 2007, Glickman and Durning try selling the island for $10 million. Nobody buys. Years pass. Glickman dies. In 2012, Durning tries selling it for $22 million. A few months later, he slashes the price to $9 million. We're told there's interest, but before the island can be sold, Durning dies. Today, the island is owned by his son, Brock Durning, who I reached by phone in Alaska. He confirmed that he owns the island, but he refused to say if the island is for sale or not. So is it for sale? It's not publicly listed, 
But both his parents were known to say that for the right price, it's always for sale. We asked our question asker Eve what she'd like to see happen to the island. Her answer, either a wildlife sanctuary or a theme park. Like a Goonies situation. Us folks that grew up in the 80s could like visit it and relive like the Goonies cave. One potential roadblock to her plan, the island is in three counties, Marin, San Francisco, and Contra Costa. So developing anything, probably a planning nightmare. Big thanks to reporters Jessica Plotchek, Rachel Myro, and Bianca Taylor. This episode was produced by Ryan Levy. That's a wrap on Bay Curious 2018. This show could not be made without the many talents of the Bay Curious team. That includes Jessica Plotchek, Ryan Levy, Paul Lancor, Susie Racho, Katie McMurrin, Julie Kane, Pat Yallen, Carly Severn, Amanda Font, Erica Kelly, Julia McAvoy, David Weir, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. Whew. Of course, the biggest thanks of all goes out to you are wonderfully curious and loyal listeners. This show literally could not happen without you. We are here because you listen. So thank you for subscribing, for reading our newsletter, and sharing us with your friends. It means so much, and we really appreciate it. Big Curious is made in San Francisco at KQED. I'm Olivia Ellen Price. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment, and if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.